The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus said to the disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father and I and the Father is in me. But if you don't, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. In my 25 years of preaching, I've never recycled or reused a sermon. However, there are a few images that I love to call upon. Over the years, the students of Lutheran Campus Ministry have learned one of my favorite sermon images comes from none other than Elmo. In 2010, Kofi Annan, the Secretary General of the United Nations, joined the Monsters of Sesame Street. They were having a dispute, and Mr. Annan helped them settle the quarrel the UN way by working together. However, my favorite moment of this clip is not them working out the problem. Rather, it's when Kofi Annan introduces himself. He comes upon the group of monsters, and they are arguing. He asks them if he can help, and Elmo says, well, that depends. Who are you? He replies, my name is Kofi Annan. I'm the Secretary General of the United Nations. Without missing a beat, Elmo replies, oh, well, Elmo is Elmo. And then he goes on to introduce the other monsters. Elmo stands in the presence of international greatness and introduces himself unapologetically. Elmo is Elmo. I think of this whenever I meet someone and feel diminished or intimidated. 
We are all just people, after all, with or without pedigrees or power. Kofi Annan is Kofi Annan. Elmo is Elmo. I am me, you are you. None of us can be other than who we were created to be. In other words, I am what I am, that's all that I am, as Popeye used to say. This is a theme in the Gospel of John, not Elmo or Popeye, but the theme of I am. In Greek, the phrase is ego eimi. We all come to church hoping to learn Greek. Ego eimi is the phrase. It means I am. In the book of John, if you read only the I am statements, you would be able to piece together both Jesus' identity and mission. There are seven main I am statements. They are... I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the true vine. There are more I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. These, however, are not metaphors, but rather they are declarations of God's name, calling on Old Testament examples of God revealing God's self to humanity, like God telling Moses, I am who I am. In the Old Testament, I am is unquestionably understood to be the name of God. So Jesus, being God, is also I am. Ego, me. So if Jesus defines his identity as I am, what about my identity or yours? This question almost always results in identity crisis. Ask any graduating senior, hey, what's your plan? Where are you going in life? And I guarantee you will trigger an anxiety attack. As if any of us can really truly answer questions like, who are you? Or where are you going? To such questions, I aspire to be as unapologetically blunt as Elmo and simply answer, Sarah is Sarah. Full stop. Doug and I spent eight days in the United Kingdom at the end of April. One day, we saw the London Marathon as it wound its way through the ancient city streets. Every year, over 50,000 runners come together in one of the biggest marathons on the planet. When we popped up from our underground station, we saw runners dressed as Teletubbies, Soldiers running in squads, dressed in fatigues and combat boots with full packs on their backs. Runners with bleeding nipples and blistered feet. One man was dressed as a giant baby. Another as a dinosaur. There was a team with jerseys that said, Shrewsbury Cardiatric Unit, we're just nice. How British, right? 
<laughs> These were the 11, 12, and 13-minute milers, the ones who knew they would not be first place but just hoped they would not be last. However, the onlookers cheered for them as if they were the winners, beating drums and cheering as they tauntingly sipped beers from the sidelines. I saw things I'd never seen before, like deaf and blind runners, each wore a safety orange vest that said respectively deaf runner or blind runner. The blind runners in particular caught my attention. Some were tethered to their guides by straps on their wrists. Others, however, ran with their hands on the backs of their guides who ran slightly ahead of them. These runners could not see where they were going, but relied solely on the navigation of their guides. Their success in reaching the finish line depended on their trust in the guide ahead of them. Not only did I find this theologically captivating, but it was also jarringly bold in an age where pol political correctness sometimes obscures reality. Their safety orange vests did not say, athlete who is visually challenged. They said, blind runner unapologetic. When Christian was in first grade, I volunteered to help out at the class Halloween party. There was a pumpkin toss, of course, and he got dead last. He came to me and he said, everyone beat me, mom, including Alex, and she is blind. Shh, I whispered to him, that's not nice. Mommy said she knows that she's blind. <laughs> Despite my attempts to be politically correct, Alex did indeed know she was blind. At the age of seven, she knew unapologetically who she was. She was blind with great aim. Alex is Alex. Elmo is Elmo. I am who I am. Ego, a me. In our gospel from John, both Thomas and Philip are struggling to understand who Jesus is and where he's going. Jesus tells them, in my father's house, there is room for everybody. I am going there now to prepare a place for you. You know where I'm going. But Thomas says, no, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus, with a notable and understandable degree of exasperation, says, have I been with you all this time? And you still don't get it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what, forget it, just follow me. But there's absolutely no way that Thomas or Philip or you or I can really know who Jesus is or where he's going. We only know two things. We know that Jesus prepares a place for us in heaven, and we know he knows the way. So. It's okay for us to admit our blind and bumbling ways. Jesus knows where he's going and where we're going, which is great, because we all know what happens to best laid plans, don't we? Thomas and Philip certainly had other plans for their lives. They thought they knew where they were going in life, and then Jesus shows up, and they follow him, and everything changes. We often think we know what lies ahead, but there are often unexpected twists and turns, and we find ourselves running blindly. 
Jesus says, where I am, there you will be also. In other words, wherever you are, there is God. Sometimes, though, this is hard to believe because we often find ourselves in places that feel more God-forsaken than God-filled. Sometimes it's hard to identify God in our relationships or even in our own heads. Jesus says, you know the way. But sometimes it's hard to detect God's way as a nation regarding racial injustice or immigration, gun legislation, housing inequity, book banning, national debt, women's reproductive rights, the rights of the LGBTQ community. It feels hopeless to consider where we are going as a planet regarding climate change, war, floods, famine, drought. But Jesus insists that wherever we are, there is God. This means we find God in those very places that scare us the most. It means we find God precisely where vulnerable people are crushed by empire power. It means we find God wherever creation cries out in pain. It means we find God wherever there is brokenness and despair and hopelessness. This is always exactly where we find Jesus, isn't it? Exactly in those places where people are being judged, excluded, and tormented. We find Jesus in places of death, which he answers with an empty tomb. Jesus answers every human situation with justice and grace every single time. Even going so far as to forgive Saul, the one responsible for stoning Stephen to death in our first reading by appearing to Saul later, changing his name to Paul and setting him on a new path. Wherever we are, there is God. Wherever death is, there is life. That's who God is. We would all be lying if we said we know who we are or where we are going. To be brutally honest, we are just a mass of people trying our best to feed our children, navigate relationships, make peace with ourselves, find meaning in life. And all we're really able to do is move forward one step at a time into an unknown future, laying hands on the people before us, generation after generation, with Jesus in the lead, the only one who really knows where any of this is going. Even though we might not know who we are or where we're going, one thing we do know, however, is that we are all children of God and we're moving together forward, one step at a time, into God's future. Silly Teletubbies or exhausted soldiers, general secretaries to the United Nations and quarreling Sesame Street monsters, ones dressed in rags and ones dressed in drag, ones who limp and ones who sprint, misplaced ones, displaced ones, ones who sleep in mansions and ones who sleep on benches, all of humanity moving blindly forward, following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He asks only 
that our hearts not be troubled, so maybe it's okay to laugh and be silly along the way. There's room for Teletubbies and Elmo and adults dressed as babies or dinosaurs on this journey. Faith need not be stern, only authentic. Maybe faith is simply admitting, I am a blind runner. The London Marathon begins in an area called Blackheath in southeast London, close to Greenwich, which is the location of the prime meridian, zero degrees longitude. So runners are literally beginning the race at zero, running over stony roads that date back to the 14th century when the area was devastated by Black Death which is why it's called Blackheath. See all the things you're learning today? In a metaphoric but very real sense, 50,000 athletes begin at nothing, running over bones and through ghosts of centuries and centuries of other humans in one existential push forward. Blind and mortal runners, all of us. Know who you are as best you can. Be a blind runner unapologetically. Elmo is Elmo. You are you. Whoever you are, though, God loves you, whether you're silly or serious, first place or last. Know that God is God. Know that Jesus is Jesus, the I am who is preparing a place for you in heaven, whoever you are, where there is not just room for some, but for all. I cannot count the number of times when the boys were little, when we were driving somewhere, they would ask this question. You know the question. What is it? Yeah. There's no way to answer that, really. It's a trap because they have no concept of time, space, or distance. The only fair answer is to say, we're almost there, even if you're not. That's what we say. That's the word of hope, though, that Jesus offers us. We who have no concept of kingdom time, space, and reality, as generation after generation lays hands on Jesus as our guide, we blindly journey into a future where there is much unknown. But this we know, that our collective future lies in the hands of a loving and gracious God. By inviting us to follow him, God invites us to participate in the very identity of God, I am, whose name is not a dead noun, but an active verb, ever-living, ever-loving, ever-creating and recreating. Place your hand on my back, and I'll guide you as best I can. You'll find me in the back of the pack by the way. Others will lay a hand on your back as you guide them. All of us lay hands on Jesus, who assures us you're almost there. Together then, let us unapologetically be blind runners. Elmo is Elmo. Sarah is Sarah. You are you. Step after step, we bleed together. We limp together, we run together, together we cross the finish line where I am is waiting for us all. Amen.